Hello, and welcome to the Pathmic Psychiatry for Primary Care podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Whitney Landa. Welcome to our podcast today on lithium. For everyone listening to this podcast, I assume that four years ago, you would have never thought to prescribe lithium. It would have been a specialty-only type of medication. And I have to really commend you for listening to this podcast and being here for this because this mental health pandemic has only been getting worse throughout the last few years. And it's incredible the work you guys are doing in your clinics. And I appreciate your learning how to use lithium and using it for your patients because it is a great medicine. It's actually one of our gold standard medicines, which means it works better than most of the other things we prescribe. And we'll go into details about why we don't prescribe it um, as often as we probably should, but um, it really is the gold standard. Very few things work better than lithium. It's FDA approved for mania, mixed episodes, and maintenance in bipolar disorder. And a mixed episode is an episode that has features of both depression and hypomania or mania. They're actually very dangerous. Lithium is also used for severe major depressive disorder. Lithium is a mineral, and we're not really sure how it works for mood, just that it works really well. There's both instant release and extended release forms. Most of the time, you're going to start with extended release because you want kind of that smoother release throughout the day, less risk of side effects, more tolerable. Sometimes if I'm looking to use the sedating effects of lithium as well, I might dose instant release at night. If they don't need coverage throughout the day to maintain their mood, it can be better to have them on instant release at night as long as it's a low dose. And the reason to dose once daily of either extended release or instant release in the evening or at bedtime is because it's more kidney protective than dosing at other times of the day. And we all know lithium hurts the kidneys and there's a lot of mixed data on why that is and whether that's really true and lots and lots of things. But most of the time, if someone's on a high dose of lithium for many years, they will have damage to their kidneys. And the, the blood level that is most true for is if their blood level is typically over 0.8. And that's how we dose lithium is by blood level, not so much by dose. So depending on the age of the patient, if it's a kid or an older person, if I'm going to do instant release, I'll start with 150 because I'm cautious, but not everyone does. A lot of people start higher than that. They're 300 per se. Or if it's extended release, I'll start at 300. But if it's, you know, a teen or a younger adult, I'll start straight with 300 and take them up to 600 more quickly because younger people tolerate lithium a lot better. And as we age, lithium crosses the blood brain barrier more readily and the doses don't need to be as high. Um, So just cautious on the edges of the age spectrum, either direction, but in the middle, you can be a little bit more assertive with the dosing, but then six days after your first dose, you're going to get a blood level because people metabolize lithium differently too. So I've had people where even a low dose gives them a high blood level And we want to catch that because the window between therapeutic and toxic with lithium is very narrow. So it doesn't hurt to check blood levels more regularly. 
and you're aiming, if someone's actively manic, you want their blood level to be over one. If you're using that for depression or for maintenance, we're usually targeting 0.6 to 0.8 per blood level, but also clinical effect. I have plenty of patients where their blood level is 0.3 and it's a great clinical effect. I'm not going to push them higher on lithium just to get a number on their blood level. Um, Definitely if it's working well, stop. But if it's not, feel free to push up those doses. We usually think of toxicity starting around 1.2. Don't push past that dose, even if it's not working as well as you'd like. And one great tip for your patients taking lithium is to use a pill box because of that narrow window between therapeutic and toxic. Because if you think, oh, well, I forgot my lithium. Let me go take it again. And actually you had already taken it. You can push yourself into the toxic range if you're at a high blood level to begin with. And any time in that toxic range is bad for you. It's especially bad for your kidneys. So if you're pushing their dose up to those higher ranges, like you want them to be 1, 1.1, sometimes you do want to dose it twice a day because it's really easy to get peaks in throughout the day where their lithium level raises higher and causes more kidney damage. Um, So that is the one case where it's better to space it out throughout the day for the kidney. Um, But with most of the doses you guys are prescribing, try to get that once daily dose. One thing I love about lithium is it works very quickly. So it starts working in the first week and within three weeks, it should be working. Um, So what I'll do is I'll start someone on whatever the starting dose of lithium is, whether it's 150, 300. If they're manic, I'm going to push that up much more quickly, obviously. Um, But then I'm going to get that blood level six to seven days later, but I'm not going to necessarily increase it outside of an urgent scenario. Um, which hopefully you guys are not facing in your clinics. Um, And if you are facing someone who's actively manic, I recommend you start with Zyprexa over lithium because it's much easier to manage. But I'm going to give it a full three weeks before I gauge that dose at all, Um, even though it can start working the first week because we don't want to push up too high on the dose because it really does have a lot of potential side effects. And then anytime you increase the dose of lithium, you're also going to get that blood level drawn six to seven days later. You want it to be about 12 hours after a dose. One of the most common lithium toxicities I get called about is actually someone taking their dose and then getting their blood drawn. Um, So it's important to always ask, you know, when they take their dose and remind them, remind them, remind them not to take it before their blood draw. So before you start, you're going to get a CMP, CBC, TSH, and an EKG if they're over 50. If they're under 50, you don't necessarily need the EKG. And then, again, that lithium level is going to be at five to six days after they start. You're going to get all of those labs, including the lithium level, every two to three months for the first six months. Then after that, they go to a three or six month schedule. If you're over 65, it's every three months. Otherwise, it's every six months, you know, unless something happens um, where you're checking those labs. Again, CBC, CMP, TSH, and the lithium level. And it's really important that they get their lithium level drawn 12 hours after their dose. So if they take it twice a day, they need to time it so that they get their level done before their second dose. We want that trough level. 
And then the other thing you need to monitor, not lab-wise, is weight. Lithium can cause a lot of weight gain. It doesn't always, um, but it can be a little sneaky too, where people don't realize at first that they're gaining weight from the lithium and it's over time. So I do tell people and tell them to keep an eye out for it. And all side effects with lithium are dose related. So at low doses, we don't see a ton of side effects. At high doses, we see lots and lots and lots of side effects. Um, so if you're keeping people on low doses, it's not a big concern, but I still tell them to keep an eye out. And side effects are one of the reasons why we probably underuse lithium because it does have a lot. It can cause ataxia, tremor, memory issues, diarrhea, nausea, muscle weakness, that waking. It can cause diabetes insipidus. It can decrease your thyroxin and cause goiter. Um, so when you're at high doses, you need to be really careful about these things. Low doses, again, I warn people, but I tell them, look, we're getting your labs, we're monitoring, and this is reversible. So if your thyroid's affected, as soon as we stop lithium, you'll recover. That's why we're doing all this monitoring. And it also helps remind them to make sure they get those labs done. And anytime the patient is sick, they go through something that's really dehydrating. Um, they need to watch out for lithium toxicity. And if someone tells me, oh, you know, something happened and all of a sudden I'm nauseous and I have a tremor, I'm always going to get a lithium level to make sure that they're not toxic because people might be accidentally taking more than they're prescribed. They might have started a medicine that increases lithium levels without realizing it. They might be dehydrated in the summer or they might have had a change in their kidney function. So it's good to always keep an eye on that. And like I said, it's hard to overtest on these things. Better safe than sorry. It's just a quick blood draw. Um, but when people are lithium toxic, they have a coarse tremor, they have nystagmus, hyperreflexemia, like more severe ataxia, confusion, nausea, and vomiting. can also cause serotonin syndrome. And it can be fatal. It can cause psychosis. It's nasty. We definitely do not want our patients to get lithium toxic. Um, and that is one of the reasons why it is underused because toxicity is close to the therapeutic window, especially if you're pushing those higher doses for bipolar one disorder. But the most common reason we see lithium toxicity, that's true lithium toxicity is actually overdose. So one common drug drug interaction I always tell people about is ibuprofen because ibuprofen can increase lithium levels. And if you have someone on 300 milligrams as a depression augmentator, and they have a surgery coming up or something else where they were told they had to take ibuprofen. You know, I just tell them, okay, once a day or, you know, maybe take a slightly lower dose of lithium. It depends on where their level's at. But if their level's consistently under 0.3 and it's, you know, post-surgery for two days, I'm not going to worry about it too much. But if they're in a higher lithium level, then I tell them absolutely not. You cannot take ibuprofen. Um, and we work with their other physician that's recommending that to come up with an alternative strategy. Another one this comes up with is thiazides, uh, but ibuprofen again, over the counter, no interaction checking by the patients. So that's the one I spend my time on in the appointment. I also make sure again to warn them about dehydration and how important it is that they stay hydrated. Um, I've had a 
patient whose lithium level swung between 1.6 and 0.8 throughout the day when we tested it because he just didn't drink enough water. And so when he woke up in the morning, he was dry and he was actually lithium toxic every morning. So very, very bad for the kidneys. And his dose went down because I just didn't trust him to keep up the hydration. Lithium greatly increases the risk for birth defects in pregnancy and is not recommended. And it's also soluble in breast milk. So if someone needs to be on lithium after they give birth, we recommend that they do not breastfeed. But the risk for postpartum mania or psychosis or depression in patients with bipolar disorder is very high. So if they have a brittle bipolar disorder and they're a strong lithium responder, that might be a plan you choose with the patient where they're going to bottle feed only and restart their lithium after they deliver. Some great reasons to choose lithium over other agents is that it rarely causes tardive dyskinesia. It's a very, very low risk compared to things like Zyprexa or other antipsychotics. It's extremely good for rapid cycling and very strongly anti-manic. It has been shown to decrease suicide attempts and suicidal ideation. It's also very easy to kill yourself with it. So that's always a balance, kind of a fine line you're walking. Um, if you give someone lithium who has a lot of suicidal intent. If I can, I'll have a family member come in and lock up the lithium and the spouse, parents, someone who lives with them can give them the lithium for the day and kind of watch them swallow it. It is a little infantilizing, but I just tell them, I'm so sorry. It's just, I have to feel safe with you having this medicine. And there are definitely cases where I would avoid lithium. Um, so certainly in anyone who's trying to get pregnant or is pregnant or you know, anyone who I think might get pregnant soon, I'm going to try not to use lithium. If someone is really bad with follow-up, I don't trust them to get their labs done. I don't trust them to take their medicines on a regular cadence. I'm not going to use lithium. If someone's acutely manic, like I said, I tend to start Zyprexa before lithium. Uh, because the lithium doses needed to control acute mania are high. And again, there's that, just that narrow range between toxicity and therapeutic dose. So I prefer Zyprexa in that case. In teens, I tend not to use lithium over an SGA some studies have been done that show superior efficacy with SGAs, second-generation antipsychotics over lithium. I've also seen some that say lithium's better. You can always find something to support your point of view. But bottom line, teens aren't as good with medication compliance. They aren't as good at getting their labs done unless their parents kind of goad them. And they're more impulsive. And they're more likely to have an impulsive attempt with their medicine. So if possible, I try not to use lithium in teens. But it's really, really helpful for teens that have brittle or refractory bipolar one. I certainly have used it. I just make sure that it's a responsible teen and a responsible family. But lithium is a great medicine. I'm hoping that this podcast didn't end up dissuading you from using lithium, especially at low doses. It just works. And given how hard our illnesses are to treat, 
something that works is always something you want in your arsenal. And this podcast was sort of a quick focused podcast for getting started with lithium in your clinic. But if you're more interested in lithium, Carlot Psychiatry Podcast has an excellent episode called Living with Lithium that I highly recommend you check out. It is developed for patients, but it goes through side effects, benefits, risks in great detail. It also goes through the history of lithium, which is pretty cool. Hopefully this podcast helps you feel a little bit more comfortable with the idea of starting lithium. I know you guys are probably only doing it in your illest patients that really can't get in with a psychiatrist and you're stuck, you know, trying to manage their care. E-consults are always your friend. Please feel free to send an e-consult and the psychiatry department will help you manage it and figure out how to start it. I hope everyone here has a great day and a lovely weekend. Thank you.